Awesome, awesome. Well, we ready back there? Good morning, Identity Church. I hope you've had a great week. You know, God's been putting on my heart for the last, I guess, few weeks about Jesus culture. Not the praise and worship team, which I love their music, by the way, but about having a culture of Jesus, about how we should live in a sort of in this idealism about what God is, about what church is. What do you want? You know, I, I tend to find that many people don't want anything to do with church. In fact, I find Christians that go, I don't really want to go to church. I, I, I do believe in Jesus. I, I want to be a part of, you know, maybe a Bible study or I want to be a part of something that's happening in a, you know, in sort of these small realms. I want to do the fun stuff. Can I just go do the fun stuff? I don't have to sit there and listen to someone teach me on a Sunday morning or I don't have to, to get, you know, to get in with people and actually work out my salvation. You know that in our salvation, and, and this is something that's very important, we, we need to understand, is the fact that salvation means that we are going to be made whole. And sometimes we've got holes that won't let us make ourselves whole. We may have problems with you know, our job. We may have problems with family. We may have problems with the siren as it's coming through and it's like ruining my message. I mean, all those things. My squirrel goes off. Whoa, what is happening outside? But see, this is the thing that we need to understand is that God wants us as a body of believers. He wants us to come together and fill each other's cracks. You know that there are things that are in your heart that need to be filled from a belief perspective. There's things in my heart that need to be filled from a belief perspective. And only some of you are able to do it. That's one of the reasons why we're supposed to have a body of believers. And by the way, church is not supposed to be 45 minutes in and out the door. Church is supposed to be the fellowships that we have every Sunday. Church is supposed to be the things where we're coming together and we're believing God for stuff. See, a culture of Jesus means that we are doing what he said to do. Love God and love your brother. And see, the thing is, is that Jesus also said, love your brother as yourself. And we do that a lot. A lot of times we don't love ourselves. And we love our brother exactly the same way. You know that there are problems in ourself that we need other people to be able to help us. So I, I'm, this is something that I'm probably going to teach on for a few weeks, but I wanted everybody to kind of get a little bit of an idea that we're heading in a direction that God wants us to, to take account of what we're doing and where we're at. So what do you want? Does everybody know what they want from God? Does everybody know where they want to be in a couple of years? Well, you're not going to find that out by the end of this. Okay, I'm just going to tell you, it's going to take a little bit more time. Y'all need to pray it up. But I want, I want you to understand that God wants you to want things. And we're going to get started just as soon as my clicker works. 
There we go. So we're going to start out with a gratitude of expression. We're going to start out that, because I want you to see that a lot of times people don't have a gratitude of expression. A lot of times when stuff is given to us, because we live in a pretty rich society, how many people think they're rich? Anybody? Anybody got, I got a couple of hands that came up. Amen. Well, you are rich and blessed in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. You are. But guess what? You are also in the top 3% of the world's wealthiest people sitting right here. I'm just giving you, if you take all almost 8 billion people and you average it all out, the person in here that makes $10 an hour is going to be three to four times, three to four times people, more wealthy than most of the people in the third world countries. And when you start thinking about how many people in the third world countries there are, oh my goodness. We have 390 million people in America, okay? You take all of Europe, you take all of Canada, you take all of them and they may come up with 1 billion people. 1 billion, okay? But you go to the third world countries and there are 7 billion people that make less than a dollar a day. See, this is what I want you to understand is that we don't understand gratitude. I've been on mission trips and I've seen people who really have gratitude because they don't have enough and every day they don't eat. How many people ate three meals yesterday? Most people did. Okay, the people who are not intermittent fasting, okay? But everybody ate here yesterday, right? If not, come see me. We'll get you a meal today. But I want you to understand that, that we need to understand what gratitude looks like because some people, and we're going to see this right here, that in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, that Peter is dealing with somebody who has been in a deficit for a long period of time. In fact, I'm going to get into this. Verse 1 says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer in the ninth hour. So essentially it was around 9 o'clock in the morning about that and a certain man lame from his mother's womb he uh, was carried whom he laid daily at the gate of the temple which was called beautiful to ask for alms for those who entered the temple alms is nothing more than an offering i just want something it's like a panhandler this person would sit there at the gate beautiful and he would just panhandle the whole time and and it says here, um, verse 3, it says, Who, seeing Peter and John, about to go into the temple? So these guys are going to church. How many people knows that we see panhandlers and stuff like that going into church? I mean, we see all these different people. And they think that what they need is money. But we're going to find out that they don't need money. And it says here, it says, verse 4 says, And fixing his eyes on them with John and Peter said, John and Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him, he took him by the right hand. 
And he lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Do you know, this man was sitting there and he was looking for something. He was looking for money mostly. But do you know that he was ready to receive something? You know, I find in our society, most people aren't ready to receive anything. They want to take it. There's a difference. Does everybody understand the difference between receiving and taking? For people who might not, I'll give you, I'll give you this. If you take something, that means that you said in your own heart, that's mine. But if you receive something, you see it as a gift or you see it as something that somebody actually paid or did for you. And you know that most people in our society go, I, whatever that is, I see it as mine before I even took it. See, they never have any gratitude, nor do they want to receive anything from you because that means that they feel indebted to you, right? In fact, I, I will tell you, I know lots of people, you'll go, hey, well, I'll pay for your meal. And they're like, no, 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 I, I won't, I'm, not going to take, I'm not going to take your money. I, I can pay for my own meal. I'm like, I just want to bless you. I just want you to know that I cared about you. You know, and, and, and they'll be like, oh, well, I, I can pay for my own meal. I, do you think I'm poor? Well, I don't know if you're poor or not. In fact, I've actually bought people's meals that were multimillionaires. Do you know that it had nothing to do with the money? See, what we have to understand is when we receive from someone, that means they were wanting to give out of their heart. But see, if we have this idea of, well, I can pay for it, I can take it, it is mine. And I have these same problems. Don't I mean, I'm not sitting up here going, well, my heart is perfect, people. No. I, I still, I, like, if my kids came to me, you know, Mike and Kaylee, they're brand new, uh, newlyweds, they're almost a year in. And, you know, I know they got to pay bills and everything. But if Micah came up and said, hey, I want to buy yours and Heather's meal. I, I'm going to, the first thing I'm going to say, no, I can buy your meal, right? In fact, we got into a big conversation about this last night because I, I took them and uh, a new friend of ours out. I, I'm not going to say who at this point, but, <laughs> but there was a point that I made about, hey, I'm going to buy your meal. I'm going to do this for you. Do you know that when... When I do that, especially if they wanted to do that, they wanted to give me something. They wanted me to receive and be glad. And see, if we don't receive and be glad in something, then what we do is we shut off the relationship pieces of this. And that's what I think you have to understand about this culture that was happening back then was that there were people that they didn't have anything. Even the rich people were not as rich as the other people. There was some really rich people. There was like the Elon Musk, right? Like $250 billion. But even the really wealthy people were really just taken from the church. They were taken from the government. They were taken from your taxes or these people's taxes. See, culturally, people didn't make anything. 
They didn't have anything. And this man really didn't have anything. He'd been sitting there for a long time, 38 years, I believe it is. And so what we have to understand is that when, when Peter and John says, hey, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I will give to you. That meant that he received. He didn't go, oh, well, if you don't have silver and gold. You know, I, you always find out a person's heart. We have a guy that comes in here and he's looking for money. And about the time you say, well, hey, I'll give you food or I'll give you something else. Well, no. How many people's tried to give somebody food or, or something out on the street and they go, no, 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 just give me money. You know, that's the heart of the matter. They want to take it from you and they don't want to have any connectivity or relationship. See, they don't want to receive anything from God either. But what I want you to see is that in verse 7, after he had, after he had uh, risen up, and it says, and he took him by the hand and he lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. It means the moment that he decided, I'm going to receive from them, he did it. It was like the power of God was able to move because he was able to receive. See, this is powerful, guys. If you don't get this, then you're going to have a hard time receiving from the Holy Spirit. You're going to have a hard time receiving from God. Because the thing is, is that God wants people to receive, not to take. And see, when we have a mindset, well, I'm taking from God. Well, you're not going to get very much because you need to receive what God has from you. And it says in verse 8, And so he leapt up, stood and walked, and guess what happened? He went to church. And he started walking and praising God and telling him, Woo, hallelujah, I've been, I've been down on my luck ever since I was born, and now... God has healed me. How many people do we have testifying in churches like that? I, I've been to a lot of churches. Most of the churches out there, you know, we used to go to VCF. We would have testimony times. We'd have people come up and, and they would give us their testimony. You know, one of the things about that testimony was they got to tell it. They got to praise God. They were open to receiving and then glorifying God. And see, that's one of the things I want you to understand was that this man, he had an expectation of something. He actually received something. He went to church and he praised God. Why was that so important? Why? Why, why didn't he just go in the street and praise God? Well, he could have, and that was good. Go praise God in the street. But you know, this is one of the things I think it needs to happen, is that you're never going to go praise God in the street if you don't praise God in church. You're never going to be like, Hallelujah, praise the Lord, Hallelujah. You're not going to do that outside on the street. I'm just going to tell you. I know every one of you in here. I don't see y'all standing on the street going, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. You know that we need to praise God in here and then there's times to praise God out there. So one of the reasons why we do it here is because we are coming together as a body to praise God. 
There's something very special about the corporate anointing. There is a thing called an anointing. God has anointed people for a long period of time. He'll anoint you to go do stuff. There's a corporate anointing where we all come together and we'll praise God. And as we're praising God, the Holy Spirit gets to do some stuff. You know that this is one of the things that I think we don't want to receive because we go, that's weird. It's going to be weird if, if I receive that. Well, you know what? I've seen some weird stuff, but also seen some really good stuff too. I've seen people set free automatically. You know that when we praise God and we understand who He is, it's just going to come out of you. But we have to receive and not be takers. One of the problems Jesus had was He had a bunch of people that knew Him that was having issues with Him. And this is what happened. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, and it says, Then he, Jesus, went out from there and came to his own country. So it'd be like, you know, I got a lot of family members in here, right? It's like everybody knows Dusty. Mom, Dad, got my Aunt Carol, got everybody. Most people know me ever since I was a kid. I mean, Brock knows things about me I don't even want him to talk about, right? So this is the kind of things that I'm sitting here. Everybody knows me, right? Well, Jesus was in the midst of people who knew him, that knew him in the flesh. And it says right here, and went on verse 2, when, when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogues, and many uh, hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this that is given to him, and such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter? Is this not Dusty that, you know, he was the he was a kid that ran around Nan and Pablo's house naked when he was like three years old and we were having to like, you know, force clothes on him? Wasn't this Dusty that was out there doing all this, you know, oh, he's a computer engineer. Well, you know what? I, before I was a computer engineer, I was um, ADD and dyslexic. I was the guy that didn't pass high school. I was the guy that, that didn't have a hope or a future. I was the guy that I had messed up in my life multiple times. I had nowhere of going. You know, my mom told me one time that one of the greatest witnesses is that when I got a hold of I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me, I went from having nothing and no hope and nothingness to being well-rounded, having a future, going and doing what the Holy Spirit told me to do and showing me how to do it, I went beyond my station. You know, a station is something that's given to you. But it's not something you have to receive. There are lots of things that you do and places that you're, that you're in that people have put on you, but you don't have to stay there. See, in a station, there's a train, and you can get on that sucker, and you go to the next best place. See, this is what I want you to understand, is that everybody knows somebody, and when God starts doing something in their life, the first thing they do is they go, wasn't that the carpenter? Wasn't this Mary's kid? You know, oh, you know, the, the brother of James, you know, Joseph, Judah... 
Simon, I mean, aren't his sisters here with us? I mean, I used to play with him. He was the one that would, you know, he'd paint his face all up with, with mud. You know, this is the thing that we have to understand is that Jesus had a human side just as much as he had a God side. Jesus stunk. He had to take a bath. See, that was the thing. I, I watched uh, uh, Johnny Cash, the, the Jesus movie that Johnny Cash did. This was like years ago. And there was this thing where he, Jesus got, gets down on, to go down a hill and he slid down the hill. And he's like trying to hold his, his, you know, his tunic down. And people got all upset. Johnny Cash actually had a little thing after he said, after I saw, people go, after we saw that, we were like, well, Jesus, I mean, you had him slide down a hill. He got dirty. Yes. I mean, it wasn't the five star, you know, hotels that he was going to. He didn't get in a Bugatti and drive down the road. I'm going to go preach to the next people in my $5,000 Italian suit. That didn't happen. He had to walk. He had to be around people that stunk. He had to be around animals and all the stuff that comes out of animals. Do you know that this is one of the problems that we have is we see Jesus as somebody who is physically holy. Oh, Jesus wouldn't have stunk. He would have been, he would have been, you know, he'd have had that Holy Spirit effervescence. Mm. No, he had the old B.O. You know why? Because everybody else did. It didn't matter if you were rich, poor, or anything. Everybody had the same issues. See, this is one of the problems that we have in our society is that we try to put people on pedestals especially Jesus, and we go, well, he would have never done that. You know, Jesus himself had to deal with things so that he could be our Savior. Now, he didn't sin, but he had to go places. He had to be around people that were sinners. He had to go do things that, that people would have said. I mean, he ate with the, with the publicans and he ate with you know, the tax collectors and the prostitutes and everybody else. And they called him a, a, a fornicator, wine-bibber. This is all stuff he said about himself. See, this is what we don't, we don't quite understand because we think to ourselves, you know what, Jesus was, Jesus was this, he floated three feet off the ground just because he walked on water. You know, I do imagine that, you know, when they were, when they were playing with Jesus, he probably did win all the swimming competitions because it's easier for him to walk on water than it is to actually swim through the water. So, okay, that was a bad joke. But anyway, but my, my point behind this is, is that they knew him. They had seen him do stuff. They'd seen him mess up. And see, this is the thing. Sin is not always the problem sometimes it's just familiarity i'm just familiar with you i know you how could you be anointed to go and do something that is like this in fact in verse 4 it says but jesus said unto them a prophet is not without honor except in his own own country <clears throat> except in his own country 
among his own relatives and among his own house. Now he could do no mighty works there except that he laid hands on a few people and healed them. And then he marveled. He was dumbfounded because of their unbelief. See, they had seen him do these things. It's not like... You know, it's not like me. I can tell you all the stories of the things that happen. I've seen people get healed. We've had people, I mean, Vicki and, and Heather can attest to the demons that got cast out of a girl. We've seen people filled with the Holy Ghost. I can, I, I can have eyewitness testimony that I have been a part of things. And there's some people that go, I just don't know about that because that's dusty. Or that might be you. And see, what I want you to understand is that Jesus himself, the Son of God, had to deal with people's doubt and unbelief and no one got healed. You know why? Because of their doubt and unbelief. They didn't come forward for healing. Oh, I, I, this should like... I'm hoping this is starting to make some sense to folks because Jesus was there with the whole power of God, the Holy Spirit. And these people said, nope, not going to go up there. I'm not going to let him pray for me. I'm not going to let him set me free because I knew that boy when he was face painting. I knew that boy and one time he peed in his pants. I know that boy. See, that's the problem is that we believe things of people. In fact, you know, one of the things that I found that people get saved, not by the people that are around them that have been pouring into them all these years, it's usually some sort of guy that they don't know that comes along and it's like an evangelist and they get it then, right? Because they're willing to receive. I hope this is making sense. See, we need to be in a place from a church culture, from a Jesus culture, that we're ready to receive from anybody. You know, we were at Life of Faith North, and we're up there, and, and I'd been preaching one night, and all of a sudden I'm praying for people, and I'm laying hands on people, and all of a sudden I have a, um, was, it, was it Savannah that came up to me? It was Selah that came up to me. I know they were young, so... She was five years old. And she said, can I pray for you? The Lord told me something about you. And I said, yeah, sure, absolutely, baby. And I, I sat there and I closed my eyes. And, you know, the first thing that happened was, oh, this is going to be a nice little prayer. Lord, just bless him and help him. Amen. Right? Well, you know, it wasn't that at all. This girl puts her hand right here on my bed. And she goes, she goes, Father, in the name of Jesus, you're saying to Dusty right now that he is going to leave us and he's going to go start a church and you have mighty, mighty things for him to do. And I just thank you for it and I just pray that he will go fulfill all of those things. And I'm going to tell you what, I, I was like waterworks. This girl read my mail. She's like all over me because God had been telling me this is what's going to happen. And I have a little five-year-old that is listening to the Holy Spirit that is doing this. And I had the opportunity to go, eh, it's a five-year-old. 
man, it was one of the best prophecies in my life that I've ever had. And it was a five-year-old. Do you know that this is the thing? We receive only the things that we allow. And it says, verse 6, and it says, And he marveled, he was dumbfounded because of their unbelief. Then he went into the villages in a circuit. Means he went around. He started in this one place, he went to the next, he went to the next. And this is all in his own hometown. And he taught. See, that's the only way we get rid of doubt and unbelief. That and fasting. That's the only time I found that fasting also helps your doubt and unbelief. But see, Doubt and unbelief comes out by the word. You know, that was, and I know some of y'all are going, well, well, I'm fasting. I'll tell you really quick, okay? The girl, there's a boy that is demon-possessed. The father comes to him. He's throwing himself in the fire. He's having basically epileptic-type seizures. He's screaming, he's hollering, and his disciples cannot cast the devil out. And so he tells them, he says, he says, bring him to me, and he casts the devil out. And he, and he goes, why could we not do this, is what his disciples said. And he says, because of your doubt and your unbelief. And so he casts this out, and then he says, this only comes about, talking about doubt and unbelief, that was the last thing he talked to them about, not the devil, but the doubt and unbelief. Because believe me, I had not fasted when we prayed for that girl, the a couple months ago. Katie. Do you know that this is the thing? Doubt and belief is what happens because when we actually strip away our mind, our will, and emotions, which is what happens when we fast, then the Spirit of God allows us to be able to tell our body what to do. Because you need to be able to have the power over your own body, over your mind, and over your thoughts. And some people need to fast because of that alone. I'm going to get off that for right this minute. You know, these people knew Jesus and they wouldn't let him help them. They were prideful. They, they, they didn't want to have help. So here's your sign, right? Here's your sign about these believers. How many people like Bill Ingvall? You know, back years ago, I went to a Bill Ingvall uh, thing, and he, it was, he did the here's your sign, and it was really kind of cool. Well, you know what? Jesus actually had a here's your sign moment. And what he did was he said in verse Mark 16, 17, it said, And these signs shall follow those who believe in my name. Will, I ca- will they cast out demons? They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. This word serpent means a snake, but it also means an artfully malicious person. That means that they're good at it. They're artisanal, if you will, about their maliciousness. Maliciousness. You know, being artful means that they, they take their time and they're, and they're ready to do it in a way that's, that is masterful. And if they drink any deadly thing, by no means will it hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You know, I was, I was talking to a guy the other day and he goes, well, what is y'all's belief? And I said, well, we're non-denominational. I said, but 
you know, we're a little Pentecostal. I said, but Pentecostalism usually goes along with, you know, snake handling and drinking strychnine. And I said, we don't do that. If I see a snake in here, y'all are going to be the ones that's going to kill it. I'm running out the back door, okay? But I will tell you this. We did see this happen in Acts. We saw that, that Paul actually was reaching into to a fire and a viper jumped out and bit him and he didn't die. Okay, so we do have some biblical references for that. Paul was not snake handling, okay? But what I want you to understand about this is that, is that we lay hands on the sick so that they recover. That means that, that we are in agreement. You know, it, it actually says in Matthew, and I may have it here in a minute, but it says that if any two shall agree touching that it shall be done for them in heaven the, by the Father which is in heaven. Do you know that laying hands on the sick is something that is said over and over and over again? We need to do it. I was at work the other day and somebody was sick. They were having a, an issue with cancer. And I laid hands on them right there in the middle of the department. You know what? It was weird. But I still did it. Because that's what it says to do. Do you know that this is our sign? Cast out demons. If a demon comes at you, don't run from the demon. Cast it out. Say in the name of Jesus, get out of here. That's your, as a believer, that's your right. Don't let it run over you. I think too many Christians, the demon starts coming out. I watched this dude the other day and it was back from 2020 and there was an Antifa guy that had come up to this guy and he's out there and he's preaching the gospel and there's all this crazy stuff going on and the guy comes up to him and he's about to, you know, he's cussing him and everything and he just goes, in the name of Jesus, come out of that man. And the guy goes, like that? Man, he cast the demon out of that dude. You know what? He had a prayer meeting right there in the middle of a riot. You know, this is truth stuff. This is not made up. I'm not trying to fill you with nothing. By the way, I get nothing out of this. I want you to know that this is something for you. This is not for me. This is for you. This right here, baptism of the Holy Spirit, because if we speak with new tongues, you know, it is something that I'm going to continue to teach on is the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking other tongues. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says it edifies you. It builds you up. It's for you. It doesn't make God happy to, if you do that. It's for you. And there's some people that say, I don't want it. Well, then you're not going to get it. That's fine. I'm, I'm good with that. Dealing with the demonic people. You know, laying hands on the sick. You know, when we lay hands on the sick, it is our way of being able to instill hope in people. There's some people right now that are in your life that they don't have any hope and they need you to stand in the gap with them and they need you to put your hands on them. They need you to be sitting there giving them scriptures and to bring them to a new place. You are their gap filler. So what do you want? You know what? John chapter 5 verses 5 through 9 it says, Now a certain man, when he had had an infirmity for 38 years, when Jesus saw him laying there, he knew that he had already um, you know, been in that condition for a long time. See, this is important. 
Because the longer you have a problem, the more ingrained it is into your life. You know, there's people that will actually dream with themselves in their situation. They'll see themselves if they're in a wheelchair. They'll see themselves in a wheelchair in their dreams. It becomes a part of who they are. They plan their vacations around this kind of stuff. They, they do all this stuff because that's just who I am. Well, you know what? If that's the way, that's the way it is, then you're going to have to say, hey, do I really want to be something other than this? And this is exactly what Jesus said to him. And he said to him, do you want to be made well? Now, the guy didn't go, yes, Jesus, I want to be well. Okay? And I know, I'm getting close. I'm, I'm going to start landing this thing. I know I see droopy. Uh, everybody's starting to, whew, Dusty, you're going long, man. All right, I'll, I'll start getting this thing together, okay? But see, what I want you to understand is that Jesus himself, he was asking, do you want to be well? Do you want something from me? And what did the guy say? He said, the sick man answered and said, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool. When the water is stirred up, because an angel at this point was coming and stirring the water, and, and while I come down, another steps in before me. And Jesus said, Okay, rise, take up your bed and walk. Jesus didn't even touch him. Jesus said, If you want to be healed, there's two things you got to do. Rise, well, it's actually three. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Do you know that the man had a decision to make? He could have said, no, I'm just going to sit here. I'm just going to do the, I'm just going to do the minimum that I've got to do. But see, Jesus himself had told him, do you want to be well? And the man didn't answer the question. He made an excuse. Do you know, I make excuses all the time. Holy Spirit, why? I just couldn't. I couldn't do this today. I couldn't pray the way I needed to pray. I didn't have time to do praise and worship today, Lord. And he's going, but what do you want? What do you want to do? What, what are the things that you want? Well, I want to be of peace of mind. And I, I want to have health. And I want to be good in my relationships. And the Lord's like, well, then you need to rise. Get off your butt. You need to praise and worship and you need to renew your mind and you need to go and do the things that I've told you in the Word and you need to get yourself to the place to where you can receive. And I know for myself, I have to go, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And it says right here in, in verse 9, Immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath day. And the reason why that that was important is because he healed this man on the Sabbath day and all of the Pharisees saw this happen. He was out there telling people about it and they wanted to kill him and stone him for healing someone on the Sabbath because he's not supposed to do work. You know, Jesus actually didn't heal the man. The Holy Spirit healed the man. I could teach on this for a long time, but you know... It, we, we see this in Genesis chapter 1. God the Father said, we're going to do something. And then Jesus, out of John chapter 1, is the word that created everything. 
He went and said it and the Holy Spirit did it. It's a little bit like if our mind says, hey, I want to go to the store today. Well, I don't go, let's go to the store. My body didn't do anything. See, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is just, we were made in His image. When we know we're supposed to go do something, then we think about it, we do it, our body acts on it. And see, this is the thing, is that Jesus said, all I did was just tell him to get up. All I did was just tell him to go. Take up his bed and walk. And he received. See, it was a gift. He didn't have to work for it. God the Father provided it. Jesus spoke it. And the Holy Spirit gave the gift. Amen? You know, if we have family issues... We need to be in that same boat. We need to do whatever the Word says. If you got family issues, go make a phone call today. Go talk to those people. Go talk to them. Go try to make amends. You'll find out that you will receive. I could tell stories of people that we've, that we've prayed with. And one guy in particular, he actually had a problem with his daughter. Within 24 hours, they were completely and totally back together. And they had had months, if not years, of just fighting and backbiting. Guess what? I'm going to tell you. Don't talk about things that make them mad. If you're talking to somebody, you're trying to get somebody back together, don't talk about the thing that made them mad. You know, don't even talk about what the problem was. See, if we're, if we're, if we're trying to live in the life of God through Christ Jesus, start talking about what the relationship could be. Because the past is past. Don't bring it back up. If they bring it back up, you go, I'm living now in a new time, in a new place. We're going to have a new thing. If you're having money issues, look for opportunities. You know, I will tell you this. I find people all the time goes, well, you know, I like my job or I like whatever. And you're going, okay, that's perfectly fine. But then all of a sudden they're like, well, I don't have enough money. Well, guess what? Start asking the Lord, what should I do in order to get more money? Because God doesn't counterfeit. He didn't make these dollars that we have in our bank account, by the way. That was a man-made thing. We made the paper. We made everything. Well, God says, hey, I'll give you the opportunities in order to make the thing that the man created. And you may be going, well, I really like my job. Well, you know what? I like the job that I just came out of. But you know what? God said, go to the next one because it's got better for you. You know what? A lot of times people go, well, I'm not willing to go back to school or I'm not willing to go do something in order to better myself. Well, guess what? Then you're going to have what you've got. And that's fine. God's not upset at you, but if you want more, if you want to do more, if you want to be somewhere else, then you know what? Start letting God infiltrate your heart with some new vision. And then write that vision down and run with it. Healing, rise up. You know what? Let other people lay hands on you. Let other people pray with you. See, I get so frustrated when I know people need something And they don't want to receive. 
And I'm like, we could just have agreed. Well, I didn't want to bother you. No, you didn't want to have to go and be vulnerable. You know what? I'm willing to be vulnerable, especially if I got something going on. You know that this is one of the things that we need to be doing as a body of believers. You can't be a body without connecting to people. Connecting to people means that you're vulnerable. I give you something, you give me something, right? I mean, I got a new couple that's sitting right here. You know, if you two are like on a date, you're not going, I'm just not, until we get married, I'm not going to tell you anything about myself. In fact, I'm going to be very straight faced. We're not even going to have any conversations. And we're just going to, yes, I'm going to show you the best version of me. How about that? Is that what y'all do? No, y'all are getting down in the nitty gritty. You know, I always like Clairefo Dollar because he would go, you know what, when you're dating someone, you need to say, you need to go up to them and say, okay, um, you got all this makeup on, all this hair. It was like, can I see you without the makeup and without the hair? Can I see you after you, you know, can I see you, you know, after you've worked out? Can I see what you look like? Can, can we talk about times you've gotten mad? Can we talk about when you get glad? Are there things that you like to do? Are there things you don't like to do? Do you know we get, you know, what's your past look like? Am I going to find out you did something weird? Do you have felonies? Do you have, you know, <laughs> did you wreck everything? Are you in debt? You know, I'm sitting there going, that is a perfect message. I mean, I, I wish I could just play it for everybody because that was awesome. I was sitting there going, yes, yes, you need to know all that kind of stuff. Sit there, get, get down and dirty and let it know what happened. You know, if you don't let people know what happened and don't let people know what you want out of life and don't put the best version of that thing out there. Because what happens is, is that you may be going, oh, I don't know if, you know, I don't know if they're going to like that. Well, you know what? It's going to come out eventually. It's eventually going to come out. And when it does come out, even if y'all been married five years, guess what? It ain't going to be good. It's better to get it out up front and be able to say, this is what I believe. If you don't believe something or if you have some sort of issue or there's a problem, then you need to make sure that that person knows it. Don't be unequally yoked. Unequally yoked, uh, Christianity is the yoke, okay? But being equally yoked means I'm going to pull in a different direction than you. You know what? Heather and I are pulling in the same direction. When she falls, I'm the one standing there. That's what the yoke is for. I'm, I'm helping hold her up. She stands up and helps hold me up most of the time. But we're going in the same direction. You know, if you're going in two different directions, you start pulling the, the other person. You start having drag marks. And you know what happens when I'm pulling somebody? We're moving very slow and we don't get to the place that we wanted to go. See, this is what you need to understand is that God himself gave us the ability for us to be one together in relationships and everything else. I don't know how I got into a relationship conversation. I got to back up, but... We're, we're at a point, though, where people need to know that they can trust in you and you can trust in them. And see, this is one of the things that when we lay hands on people, that's where I started. When we lay hands on people, that we're going to help them recover. 
We're going to give them the hope. If something's happening, let's get the hope going. Let's start praying. Let's start believing. Because guess what? They're going to have times where they're going to be down, especially if it's bad. Amen? Anxiety, go renew your mind. John chapter 14, verse 2. Verily, verily, I say unto you, uh, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he also do, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Jesus did some pretty good stuff, and I don't see a lot of people doing all those things. I just don't. We need to be doing it. We need to be believing it. We need to be going out there and getting our nose in the people's business. We need to start bringing people into the church. We need to have church body that is growing. We need to get people that are in our lives and say, hey, what do, we want? What do we want? Can I have conversations with you? Can we build fellowships? I know my son-in-law, he's wanting to do men's fellowships and things like that. I want to have things where people come together. I want to change the culture. I want to create a culture. I want a culture to where if JR's like, hey, Dusty, I'll pray for you. You know what you said this? I, I want to pray for you. I want to encourage you. Ray goes, hey, I was praying for you the other day and the Holy Spirit told me to tell you something. I want a culture where you feel like you can do that within the church walls and that you can do that outside the church walls. But see, we have to start here with, before we can do it out there. You're not going to do it out there if you can't do it in here. And a lot of times people, when they're having problems, they just want to hold it in. It means the culture's wrong. It means we haven't gotten to the point to where we can get ourselves into a place to where I can trust you and you can trust me. See, we've got to change our mind. We've got to change our culture. In fact, this is the last, last thing. You know how we overcome? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And they, being the people that was here in Revelations, this is Revelations uh, 12, 11, and it says, And they did not love their lives to, unto death. You know that there are things in our life we hold back on. We go, hey, I'm not going to do this. I, I'm, you know, I'm not going to put my life out in front of people. What this basically means is that they put their lives out there in front of everybody and they didn't care if it got them killed. They didn't care if I went and told somebody about something or we, or we were being truthful with each other. You know what? If I go to lay hands on you and the government eventually says, well, if you show an outward, uh, you know, an outward sign of being a Christian, then we're going to chop your head off. Because in Revelations, there's a whole lot of that going on. Then I'd rather have my head chopped off than to actually say, you know what? I'm just not going to, I'm not going to act like God. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do those greater works that Jesus said because it might get me killed. No. We need to be together. We need to have a culture. We need to understand when we go out and we pray for people, there's going to be people that's going to persecute us. They're going to have a problem with it. But you know what? You get built up in here to be able to go out there. You need to be able to say, I understand who I am in Christ Jesus before I go out there. Jesus provided the promise of God by his blood. The ones who overcame, they did not care who knew and talked about it all the time. 
talk about it all the time. I go to work. You know, we're, we're, we're not supposed to be pumping religion or, or, or Christianity or anything else. But, you know, I actually have people that work for me. I have 16 people who work for me. I actually have leaders that have people under them that are under me. And this is the thing. I started praying for people. Like somebody would send an email saying, hey, I'm not coming to work today. I feel sick. You know what I started doing? I just would type back, hey, praying that you feel better. You know, that was that started a culture. You know, there's people at work. They come up and they'll tell me about something. I said, can I pray for you? And I'll just, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that by Christ Jesus' stripes, they're healed. Or if it's a financial thing, Father, in the name of Jesus, you supply all of their needs by, his rich, by your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. It's not long. I'm not sitting there going, let's get the Holy Spirit to come down in the middle of work. No. But you know what? I'm changing the culture. You know, it's funny. I actually, Tuesday, had some sort of weird issue that happened, stomach issue. And so I get to work and I have to come home. I had all 16 people send me an email that said, I'm thinking about you, or I'm praying for you. You know what happens when you start changing culture? The culture starts catching up with everybody. So you need to start making your culture and taking that into your world of the things that you want to have happen. You know, Given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give into your bosom with the same measure that you meet shall be measured unto you again. That means that I'm measuring out. Hey, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Come up here. Let me pray for y'all. Let me do something. And if you go, yeah, I'll receive. Then the same measure's coming back. And we start seeing people healed and set free. We start having church. Not just, well, I heard Dusty preach, and Dusty's the best preacher I ever heard, by the way. I mean, whoo, Dusty's good. But you know what? All this stuff coming out my mouth, it means nothing if we don't do something. See, that's one of the reasons why we got to change the culture. We got to understand what is happening with people, and we got to go pray for them. We got to be vulnerable enough to say, I got a problem. Come help me. Do you know that in every situation in your own lives, in church, in the places, you know that if we just started just bringing people to church and we started saying, hey, just get built up, let's start praying for you. After service, let's just get in a circle if we need to. And we're going to lay hands. We've done that. We do these things. But you know what? I need a culture of people that are believing. Not just saying, you know what? I don't feel like I need to say that because maybe they don't need to hear it. But you know what? I don't care to know all the nitty gritties in order to be able to pray for you. Okay? If, it, if it's bad, there's a point where you can tell me, here's the area we pray for and let's move on. So I'm not asking for your business. Okay, but I do want you to know that in a culture of people that love each other, we're holding each other up. We're bringing ourselves to a new standard. You know, the overcomers did not care what their families, co-workers, authorities, the opposing views were. 
They were willing to die because they knew the truth of what God had done for them. Everybody bow your head. Do you know that this is one of the things that I believe in the most is that we need times where people say, I want to, I want to have time to pray. And I'm still trying to understand what this church looks like from a, from a ministerial type position because I think sometimes that just, you know, the way we did at VCF is Pastor Jim McCann would go down and he would stand. We'd have the praise and worship team up here and he would start praying for people. Well, you know what? I've also been in churches where we have ministers that are standing on the side and they're praying for people at the very end. I've also seen it to where it's happened in the back. It's happened at all these different places. But you know what? We need to figure out what, if it's, if it's comfort, if it's something or another, I want to try to help. I want to make sure the culture's so good to where we feel comfortable together. But I don't want to just leave parts of the gospel out. So I want us to be a culture of people who are believing together. I want us to be, I want you to say, I need something from you, so I need prayer. You need to be able to say, I trust you. And if you don't, let's get to know each other better. And by the way, if there's people in the church that you believe is going to help you out, go to them too. You know, the anointing is on all of us. Now, I'm anointed to preach the word because he has called me to do it. And he's called me to lay hands on the sick, but he's called you to lay hands on the sick. He's called us to be those people who lift each other up. But I need a culture of people that says, yes, I, I want to pray for you and you pray for me. So be the people of God. Be the people. Find your people. Come to church. Bring people to church. Get the people that are here to get together, to fellowship, to, to say, I feel good about being able to, to, to tell each other our problems so that we can be healed is what it says in James. We need to have this culture. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I pray over each and every person. I thank you, Father, that you have a, a place and a purpose and you have a specific culture that is for this church and for this body and for the people that are coming in as far as the uh, north, south, east, and west, I thank you, Father, there's people coming to where we can actually build a culture with them to where they know that they have hope. And that hope is something that is going to just impermeate into them. And that they will be able to set a culture in their jobs and in their families and in all the different places that they go that to where they will see a return. Father, I just pray over each and every person. I pray that they know that I love them and that I want to see them prosper and that they have more hope than they've ever had, that I want to see the things in their lives that have messed up, that have broken. I want to see them being repaired. And I just pray in Jesus' name that there are 
awesome opportunities that we're going to see miracles and we're going to see uh, people being healed and set free and that we're going to see all of this and it's going to be a part of our culture. And Father, I just pray over each and every person that this is a seed that is planted in their heart and that they just start living the life of God in Christ Jesus to the fullest, Father. Bring us to a new level, Father. I'm praying for a new level. I'm seeing a new level. I want us to be at a new level in our mind, our will, and our emotions, in the Spirit, and in the things of God. I want to see the Spirit of God, the, the gifts of the Spirit, come out in each and every person. Father, we just thank you for it. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Does anybody need prayer for anything? Amen. Amen. If you do need prayer, you can always find me or Heather or anybody else and let's pray. But I want to, I'm, I'm offering this. I want you to know that this is a cultural thing that we need to do for each other. And I just thank you for coming and being a part of this church and all the things that we're doing. I really believe we're going to start growing. I believe we're going to start seeing people being set free of things. I think we're going to see people. God is starting to do something. There's going to be awesome opportunities that's going to come about. But you know what? We have to be open as a body to doing our part. That may mean God says, hey, go invite that person to come to church. Hey, invite these people. I'd love to see 50,000 kids in here. I'd rather have to go and buy a building that's, you know, that's 10 times the size and give a whole building to the kids. That's what I'd like to see. I want us to see the culture change. I want to see the way things are happening in our, in our lives and in the things that we do and in our families and our work. I want God to give y'all visions that you've never had before. Because there's things that he has for you. Amen. I'm going to pray us out. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray as they go this week, they have a great week. I pray you bring people across their path that they can minister Jesus to. And we just thank you for it. Thank you for a great rest of our day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.